Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. As we begin the new year, we continue in a series on hope. Last week, we discussed how prayer is essential in our discipleship path and is instrumental in giving us hope. I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. Today, we continue in this series to look at the gospel as our source of hope as laid out in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This chapter may be the most concise gospel explanation and I recommend it to new Christians trying to understand their faith and believers looking for an easy passage to share the gospel. This passage offers an unshakable hope rooted in the gospel and is the perfect one to continue this hope series. Due to the brevity of this show, I can't read the entire chapter, but as we look at it, I will allude to places that you can read it on your own. In times of uncertainty, chaos, and despair, it's only natural for human beings to seek hope and solace. Thankfully, the gospel of Jesus Christ offers an unshakable hope that can transcend circumstances and bring peace to troubled hearts. In today's episode, we will explore this message of hope found in the gospel reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The 15th chapter of the first letter of the Corinthians is one of the most profound discourses on the resurrection in the entire Bible. In this chapter, the Apostle Paul addresses the believers in Corinth, highlighting the significance of Christ's resurrection and its implications for the future resurrection of all believers. And we're going to delve into this glorious message of hope. The chapter begins with the Apostle Paul reminding the Corinthian church of the good news message they had received, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul emphasizes the resurrection as the crux of the Christian faith, highlighting its transformative power for believers. And hope springs forth through Christ's victory over death and our entire perspective on life and eternity is transformed. Paul begins by reminding the Corinthians of the gospel he has preached to them, emphasizing the centrality of Christ's resurrections in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. He focuses on the resurrection as the pivotal event that validates the Christian faith and assures eternal life. It's interesting how apologetics enter into the discourse even as early as these accounts, because Paul presents the evidence of Christ's resurrection, citing the accounts of many eyewitnesses who saw Jesus after his resurrection. He highlights these eyewitnesses' accounts, the appearances to various individuals, including the apostles and more than 500 brethren in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 5-7. through By bringing forth these testimonies, Paul establishes the credibility and reality of Christ's resurrection which is crucial for believers to grasp. This historical evidence assures believers that their faith is not in vain, but grounded in the reality of a risen Savior. This assurance of salvation brings immeasurable hope, assuring us that our sins are forgiven and that we have eternal life in Christ. Because, friends, it's important to take those eyewitness accounts into consideration. This is not just a blind leap of faith, friend. This is something that has been carefully chronicled and has been carefully passed on even to this day from biblical times. 
which gives us hope because the implications of the resurrection is it affects deeply on our faith and future. What I think is amazing, I might read some of this, he employs the metaphor of Adam and Christ, drawing parallels between the consequences of the first man's disobedience and the redemption acquired through the second Adam. Uh, this takes place in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 through 22. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, you see the temptation, the fall of mankind, original sin. You see the hopelessness that is passed through us from birth. and But you then see... Christ making things right through his incarnation, perfect life, death, burial, resurrection. This reverses that and allows us to have our sins forgiven and us to be acquitted of our sins through our through the grace of Jesus Christ. And friend, that is so important for you to know that we can't save ourselves. It's something beyond our limited human nature. But in Christ, we can receive the free gift of God's grace by believing in him and receiving the gift of eternal life. So, friend, I encourage you to consider that as we consider the resurrection's implications because, again, what's fascinating about this is when you see the original temptation in the garden and then you compare it to Christ's temptations, the questions are almost identical with Adam making wrong decision after wrong decision and Christ making all of the right decisions and giving us not just a model for faithfulness and his sinless life, but also letting us know that our faith in him is deserved and authoritative and it should give us hope because he overcame death. And at the heart of the gospel is the conquering of death. Paul writes that just as Adam brought death into the world, Christ's resurrection brings life and victory over death for all who believe. This truth offers the hope even in the face of death as believers are promised a future resurrection and an imperishable glorified body. He emphasizes that just as sin and death enter the world through Adam's disobedience, eternal life and victory over death come through Christ's sacrifice and redemption. This profound truth is the foundation of our faith, as it promises liberation from the grip of sin and the hope of eternal life in Christ. And there's no greater source of hope and thing to put your trust in, because everything else will let us down. Everything else, material wealth, friendships, it all passes away, but the hope of the gospel is eternal. Then Paul addresses the question of the resurrection of believers, which some in Corinth doubted. He vehemently insists that Christ's resurrection guarantees all believers' resurrection. In doing so, he dispels any doubts or uncertainties the Corinthians had regarding their future resurrection. In verses 20 through 23, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits then, when he comes, those who belong to him. He explains the order and the process of resurrection, assuring believers that those who have died in Christ will be raised imperishable, and those who were alive at his coming will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye to receive immortal bodies, found in 1 Corinthians 15, 51-53. As Paul continues his discourse, he speaks of the future resurrection we can anticipate as followers of Christ. 
the perishable will be clothed with the imperishable, the mortal with immortality. This promise instills hope in every believer, knowing that our present sufferings are temporary and eternal glory awaits us. Paul then urges the believers to remain steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. The hope we find in this gospel reading is not merely a passive expectation, but a call to live out our faith, knowing that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. And to conclude this discourse on the resurrection, Paul exhorts the Corinthians to live faithfully and strive for excellence in everything they do. As alluded to this, I want to talk about the last few verses of this passage. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. My friend, that is the most hopeful ending to this chapter that I could think of. Where is the victory, O death? Where is your sting? The sin, the law, it's been defeated, but thanks be to God, we have the victory in Jesus Christ and that we are not living in vain. Friend, as we continue in this hope series, I want you to know that you're not laboring in vain, that your life means something, that hope awaits you, that grace awaits you, and that all you have to do is believe. And in that trust, God will transform your heart. He will renew your mind. He will start you on a very amazing discipleship path that will allow you to live with hope and purpose every day of your life. That sure, there will be things that will distract us. There will be things that are challenges in our life. But the big picture is one of hope, peace, and purpose. I hope that that is something that gives you hope. Before we move on, we should discuss the fact that Christ has indeed defeated death. Death, my friends, is the ultimate existential threat to our naturalistic worldview that we live in. When you don't have a gospel worldview, when everything around you is what you see, touch, taste, and smell, the body's a depreciating asset, and everyone is living in the now to try to distract themselves from the inevitability of death. And that causes depression, it causes pain, it causes people to worry. When you have the hope of knowing that your existence is eternal, that you have something to look forward to, it allows you to live each day with purpose and hope and inspire those around you. For example, there may be someone listening today who's dealing with health setbacks. There may be people dealing with family members who are struggling and ailing. Friends, this is a chance to have a gospel conversation with them to reassure them that God loves and redeems them and desires them to come to faith. For you yourself, if you're struggling with fear and doubt, know that the power of the gospel conquers death and gives us a bright future. So my friend, as we're talking about the hope series, I can't think of a more hopeful statement than that. I'll leave you today with some quotes about the gospel and the hope we have in that. 
Tim Keller says, the Christian gospel is that I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me, yet I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. This leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. It undermines both swaggering and sniveling. I cannot feel superior to anyone, and yet I have nothing to prove to anyone. I do not think any more of myself or less of myself. Instead, I think of myself less, which he was a big C.S. Lewis fan, and you can you probably recognize that quote from him. John MacArthur adds, The simplicity of the gospel gives what the complexity of human wisdom promises, but never delivers. John Stott challenges, All around us, we see Christians and churches relaxing their grasp on the gospel, fumbling it, and in danger of letting it drop from their hands altogether. Friend, we live in a world of sin and legalism and all kinds of different ways that we can get turned around. But friend, if you'll focus on the simplicity of the gospel and the hope of Jesus Christ and commit yourself to the discipleship process, God will guide you through the Holy Spirit leading, through prayer, through your disciplines, and your scripture reading, into living a life of purpose and hope. Finally, Oswald Changer says, the real test of a saint is not one's willingness to preach the gospel, but one's willingness to do something like washing the disciples' feet. That is being willing to do those things that seem unimportant in human estimation, but count as everything to God. My friend, as Tim Keller was pointing out, may we be both confident and humble. May we never lose our sense of awe that Christ died for us. And may we never lose our sense of gratitude and hope and wonder that great things lie ahead and that we can face the future with confidence. Join me next week as we continue our hope series when we take on the issue of money, one of the greatest stressors in all of our life. I thank you for joining me today, and I'll see you in our next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.